0: Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you Chloe. Well, this spring and early summer, we're spending uh, some time looking at the various instructions we receive in the Bible of how do Christians, how does God call Christians to interact with one another? There are uh, dozens, I think about between 40 and 45 uh, commands that say blank one another, love one another, bear with one another in the New Testament. And so we're looking at those to discover how does God call us to, to be as a church family? And we've been using our church covenant as a structure. We have this church covenant that has guided our church for the past 182 years, since May 1840, um, which is a wonderful summary of what we call the one another's in Scripture. This morning, we get to the phrase, we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now, um, there are a number of places in Scripture where we're taught the importance of gathering and, and worshiping together. And every time I get to one of those passages and whatever I'm preaching, it gets awkward. It feels very awkward for me, uh, mainly because here I am preaching and talking to a big group of people in church saying, go to church. And you're thinking, well, I am. So um, have a great day. No, Uh, this is a textbook case of preaching to the choir, right? How do you tell a bunch of people who are already in church, go to church? Um, that's actually not really what my goal is this morning. I would be redundant, and it would be in some ways kind of shallow. Uh, this morning, rather, we really want to start discovering and exploring what is it, what actually happens when we gather together? What actually happens? And why is this gathering unique from other gatherings of people? The skeptics, whether they're Christians or whether they're not Christians, people who are just skeptical or just have a skeptical nature, ask really, really good questions about this exact point. Uh, And you may wonder—I mean, in an age where we're busier than ever, there's no shortage of things vying for our attention and our time. Why gather in the first place? Especially because we don't—we don't actually accomplish anything. Have you noticed that? Like we don't—we don't build anything. We don't have a tangible. Constructed thing we can take home with us. We don't like. Not much is actually accomplished here in a, in a sense of metrics and results. So why bother? And in an age where we have incredible technology, and we've learned over the past couple of years, like we can actually, like you, y- y- y'all are here in person. Some of you are joining us online. You can you can tune into YouTube and go to. You don't even have to put on pants to go to church anymore. Like it's incredible. So if I can if I can just sit on the sofa and drink my coffee and my slippers, which is much more comfortable, let's be honest, especially because it's blazing hot in here today, and why, did, why bother? Why bother? We're going to explore some of those questions this morning. Uh, I should note, note at the outset, I'm not, I'm not preaching to folks who aren't here. I'm preaching to folks who are here, okay? So, um, so this isn't uh, the goal. In other words, the goal is not for you to, to, for you to think, well, I really wish so-and-so were here to hear this sermon because they need to be in church. Um, it's, I want to say this gently but directly. like It's not up to you to apply Scripture to somebody else. Let, let the Holy Spirit do that, and let the Holy Spirit convict you where He chooses to convict you. The point of, of this morning really is to, to start looking at what's going on when we gather. What makes this gathering distinct? Because the fact is, we, our faith is not meant to be practiced alone. You, you cannot grow in your faith on your own. God has made us social creatures. Community is essential to the Christian faith. And God has made us to practice our faith in a way that we contribute and don't just consume. So this morning we're going to we're going to look at the early church. Acts 2 describes the very first church, Christian church in all of history. And we're going to notice just two things we could look at a lot more, but we're going to really point out two things and then we'll spend some time synthesizing what we learn from them and applying that to ourselves today because our world is very different now than it was 2000 years ago. I just want to point out one the early church was was incredibly devoted to one another and their devotion to one another number 2 grew out of their devotion to God there's, there's a twofold devotion a twofold commitment to God and to one another and if you cannot have one without the other we cannot at least have a christian devotion to one another without a devotion to God and we cannot have a christian devotion to God without a devotion to one another So we're going to look at both of those pretty briefly, and then we're going to put some pieces together. First, let me just just read the passage again for you and listen for the language that describes the one another, the community aspect of this. I'm going to emphasize each word that indicates a devotion to one another. What I want you to notice is look how frequently this is said. This is not just a one-off. They, plural, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How often does that word together show up? Or words like together? The early church was together a lot. A lot. In fact, it says at some point it says every day Every day they were together. Now, it's important to note that when we get to narrative parts of the Bible, things that describe something that happened, they tend to be descriptive and not necessarily prescriptive. So just because they gathered together every day doesn't mean we have to gather together every day, okay? That's not what it's saying. And just because they sold everything and had everything in common, it's not saying we have to do the same. It's saying that's what they did. It's describing what they did. It's not prescribing our way of life. But we can learn from the incredible repetition that they were together, they were together, they were together. They're together in public, it says in the temple courts. They're together in private, it says they're in their homes. I mean, the point is pretty simple, that when you're truly devoted to someone, when you're truly committed to somebody, you, you get together with them. Imagine you have, maybe you actually, maybe you don't have to imagine, maybe you do, but imagine you have an uncle or you have a cousin or some distant family member who insists that they're, they're part of the family. I'm part of the, I'm one of, you know, whatever. But they, they never come to anything. Like, they never stop by for a visit. They never come to Christmas or to Thanksgiving dinner. They never send birthday cards or anniversary cards. They never come to family weddings or family funerals. Like, they, you just never see them. But they insist, I'm part of the family, I'm telling you. Well, are, are you? I mean, yes. But you're not getting together with the family, so at some point, are you? You see? We cannot be truly devoted to one another without being together. And we see that in the early church. Uh, one commentator, a man named Daryl Bach, puts it this way. He says, in our culture... Our individual needs and rights come before the needs of the group, but the biblical picture is not of what someone receives from the church, although one does receive a great deal, but of one gives and how one contributes to it. The portrait of the early church in Acts shows that community and the welfare of the group were a priority We cannot be truly devoted to one another and not be together. Now, those of you joining us online, especially, uh, you're wondering, like, well, what about us? Great question. I'm going to talk to you specifically in just a minute, okay? So hold that thought. But first point, the church was just radically committed to one another. Second point, they were committed to one another because they were radically committed to God. In other words, their commitment to one another was ground, it was built on the foundation of a devotion to god it wasn't just unity for the sake of unity oh we're together we're together we're no, no no, we're together because of jesus christ there's a purpose to their gathering they they had something that holds them together if you um if they were gathered together just for the sake of unity it would be like if, if you bake i don't know if, you, if some of you bake i don't but i imagine this is true and you can correct me after the sermon um What do you do when you bake? You get all your dry ingredients, your flour and your sugar and yeast, whatever, um, and you can mix all of those things in a mixing bowl, and then what do you have? A mix of flour and sugar and yeast. Like, nothing. Nothing usable, at least, right? You have to add something wet, water or milk or cream or eggs or whatever, and all of a sudden now, when you add that something wet, you go from having a bunch of mixed up dry ingredients to a batter, a unified thing. In, in that sense, Jesus Christ is the thing, the water or the, that would have been a good point, like living water or the eggs or, make that into a metaphor, I don't know. Um, he's the thing that takes us from being just this group of intermixed but not, we're not unified to like we become a batter. The early Christians didn't just gather together for the sake of gathering. We don't gather just because this is a nice social thing. No, we gather because we're focused around Christ. And we see this in the text. Let me just point out a couple of verses that show this. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. And we know that the apostles were teaching, they were preaching, they were teaching about Christ. They devoted themselves to prayer. Verses 44 and 45 they sold their possessions and gave to everyone as they had need, which doesn't sound that God-centered at first until you remember what did Jesus teach about our commitment to one another. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together. Where? In the temple courts, in a common place of worship. Verse 47, praising God together. This is not just a, a group of people who happen to like each other and are socially United, no, it's it's much much more than that. Our devotion to one another and our devotion to God are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. You can, but it's not. Then it's not. It's not what God has in mind for us. You see, our common devotion to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, results in a devotion to one another. If you want to frame it negatively, you could say we cannot be truly devoted to God without being truly devoted to one another. This is what, if you, um, if you have a Bible, you can flip over to Hebrews 10 if you want. Uh, the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 10 has this short, short little section, but they really kind of zoom in. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but here's what they wrote in Hebrews 10. I want to read verses 23 through 25 for you. They write, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Notice, it's all plural. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another, there's a one another, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then they get really sharp and pointed and say, Let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Which one ought to be really encouraging, right? Because you know, like, there are some days, maybe today was one of those days for you, you just, you just don't feel like getting up and going to church. I, I get it. Like, I have those days, and it's my job, and like, so it's okay for you to have those days too, right? It's not a new phenomenon. In the early church, there were people who just didn't feel like getting together with the church for whatever age, just that morning, a bad morning, whatever. That's nothing new. But the author of Hebrews says, press on through that for two main reasons that they point out. Why do we gather together? What's going on? Well, one, they say, encourage. Let us encourage one another. We're going to talk more about this in a a few weeks. This, and this is true of all Christian gatherings, not just Sunday morning, but I'm I'm just going to zoom in on Sunday mornings. The worship service on Sunday morning is not just so that the pastor can say something that inspires you and you leave a little bit lighter. It's not just so that the music team can sing some great songs and then you leave kind of filled up and you've got this tune stuck in your head or whatever. It's not just so someone else can fill you up. This gathering is also, it is partly that, but it's also so that you can fill someone else up. It doesn't say, let us gather together so you can be encouraged. No, let us all encourage one another. You may be coming in tired and weary and beat up and broken down, and I get that. I get that. Let me tell you something. Odds are the other person in the pew with you or the person in the pew in front of you or behind you, like they're coming in tired and beat up and broken down and weary too. So the author of Hebrews says, so let's consider, like how can we encourage one another in that? We gather together so we can all encourage one another. And then secondly, in verse 24, they say, let us also consider how we may spur on, spur one another on to love and good deeds. Horse people, you know what spurs are, right? They're the little, you know, wheelie, pokey things on your boots. You know, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. That's... um, Now, someone who rides horses, tells, and you, and you use the spurs, and you kind of poke them into the horse, and it guides the horse. Uh, somebody who's a horse rider will tell you, if your spurs draw blood, you're doing it wrong. Okay, spurs aren't meant to, to hurt the horse, to damage, to, to, but they are meant to kind of get the horse's attention, and to prod them, and to, to provoke them a little bit. A month month and a half ago or so, we we actually spent two weeks talking about admonition. What does it mean to admonish or to rebuke one another in a spirit of love? And we said that the biblical command to to admonish one another is kind of like a gentle warning. In other words, we tell the truth, we warn people, but in love. In love. So, So here's how that Here's how that might look. I don't, I don't know. I'm just making these up. But you're chatting with somebody after the worship service. You go down to coffee hour because it's blazing hot in the sanctuary, and it's like 20 degrees cooler down there. And so it's after the service, and you're enjoying the cool coffee hour. And you ask somebody about, you know, you, know, you talked to them a few weeks ago, and they said, I'm working on this business deal. You say, how's that, how's that going? How's that deal going? And they say, I think it's going well. But there's this one thing I'm, I'm trying to work out, and I just I can't really tell if this is, if this is right or not. And the more you talk, the more you realize they can't. It's not that they're not sure if this is the right decision, but like ethically, it's just a gray area. It's not explicitly right, and it's not explicitly wrong, but you're just having this conversation, and and, and maybe you can just gently ask, like, do you, do you think the Holy Spirit might be just working through your conscience in this? What do you think? You can just ask questions and try to help discern, like, how can I... Write a business deal in a way that honors God. And maybe you take them aside, you pray with them right then and there, like a short 20-second prayer. Just God help help so and so to figure out how to how to close this deal in a way that that makes money and makes a profit and helps the company and helps that person and is right that honors you. Or maybe you um, uh, maybe you get to church and you're just you have toddlers, God bless you, <laughs> you have toddlers and you're tired and someone asks, like, how's your week been? And for some reason, you have the courage to be more honest than you usually are in church, and you say, you know what, like, I just, I'm at the end of my rope, and I've, I've just snapped at my kid over and over, and not for any good reason, like, they, they haven't done anything wrong, it's just they're being a toddler, and, you know, like, toddlers, and the person <clears throat> has a little bit of perspective, and they say, you know, man, I, I remember those, and they say that. No, they say, you, I like. I remember, I remember those days. Man, those are, those are hard days. Hang in there. Like, it gets better. <laughs> Hang in there. And they pull you aside, and they say, let me just pray for you real quick. They pray a short 20 or 30-second prayer and just say, God, help, you know, Louise or whoever, help, just, just give her supernatural, like over-the-top, Holy Spirit patience with her kids. Help them to see in her patience the patience that you've had for us. You see, when, when we gather together, we encourage one another. We spur one another on. We, we... Those things can really... They can really only happen when we're together. Why is it important to gather together? Because you... I don't know how you encourage somebody you're not with how you spur one another on if you're not with someone. Now, we've had to learn some different ways of doing this with COVID, and we haven't been able to be together, and we've learned, okay, so Zoom calls kind of work, and phone calls are better than nothing, but but let me take a minute just to specifically address the video part of our service. So this this is the YouTube. Some of you are watching live on YouTube. You're not with us in person, and Chris is telling us be together in person. You're thinking, like, what about me? It's a great question. Um, the pandemic has forced us to think deeply about some of these questions. And with the live stream, we've had to cr- think deeply, like, how do we create connection? How do we create a se- uh, an environment where we can encourage and spur one another on when you're not actually here in person? Uh, and those of you who are joining us online know it's hard. Like, you just don't, you don't get... Online, what you get in person, do you? This isn't. I don't say what I what I say to judge. This is just laying out the facts here. When you're in person, when you're not in person, you miss that true connection. There's a, I know there's a couple of comments over on the sidebar, you know, in YouTube, and people saying good morning. And that's good, but it's not the same. You can't really participate in the worship service. You can't. Um, I'm going to paraphrase here, but C.S. Lewis. Uh, was writing an essay about something slightly different, but the point applies. He says, imagine you have a group of four friends, and one of them, I don't know, call him Jack, um, dies and isn't part of the group anymore. The group of three who's left is not the same old group. It's just Jack happens to be absent. No, like Jack not being there fundamentally changes the nature of the whole group. Why? Well, because Jack had a way of listening that really drew Sam out, and Sam is a little more reserved and quiet, but he knew when Jack was listening, then then he kept, so, so that changed the nature of the group, and Jack had a way of telling jokes in a certain way that really got Mary going, and Mary's laugh was just infectious and contagious, so do you see, like, all of a sudden, when you pull Jack out, you don't have the same group minus Jack. You have a fundamentally different group. A fundamentally different group. How do you encourage someone? How do, you, how do we spur one another on? How do we say hold on to the faith when we're not actually together? There, I don't know of a, I don't know of a good way. The, the way I've come to think about the live stream, and we have to address this, is I think it's a good concession, and it's a poor convenience. It's a good concession, and it's a poor convenience. Here's what I mean by that. Not concession like the concession stand, but you had to concede something, right? You had to give up something. We know you're, you're giving up the benefits of being what, what we're meant to gather to encourage one another, and you don't get that. You just can't online. But sometimes you have to give something up to get something, and if you're, if you're and some of you, and I know some of you watching right now are very high risk or you're caring for someone who's really high risk and because of health condition, conditions, you can't get vaccinated. And, and so you just cannot take the risk of going out and being in a room full of 60 or 65 people. I, like, I get that, and it's, YouTube is better than nothing. It's a concession. You know what you're giving up, but it's better than nothing. Let's just get something. I think it's a good concession. But it's also a poor convenience. In other words, if you're able to gather and if you can, but you think, I just, I just I just don't feel like going through the work of, of getting up and getting ready, you're you're giving up something, something deep and profound. All that's to say, if you have an alternative, if you can gather, and that could be here, or that could be you might be you might live. 500 miles away, and you're streaming into our church for whatever reason, and you're really better off, if you're able to, going somewhere in person than joining us online, because you just can't get the encouragement and the spurring one another on that you can when you're together with people. Now, that's touchy, I know, and I don't say any of this to judge. I don't know your motives. I'm not judging anybody's motives here. You be the judge, I'm not here to convict you. I let the Holy Spirit do that. And, and honestly, as far as I can tell, we'll keep streaming online indefinitely because there are people who, for whom they just can't come. And, and of course, we're going we're gonna to try to love you in that way and do what we can. You may still be wondering, what about this situation or that? Or I don't, I don't know. Let's talk. Uh, maybe, there, maybe there are other situations. Maybe there are other options. My, like, my job is not... So my job is not to tell you this is what's right and this is what's wrong and this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do. My job is to open God's word and to explore with you what does God say? In this case, what does God say happens when we gather? And how do we respond to God and respond to one another and love God and love one another in the way that he has made us for? It's up to you, really, to let the Holy Spirit guide you and to convict you according to His Word. But what, I, what I hope you'll start to see and notice, maybe in the really big picture, is there's something much deeper going on here in this room, even when it's flat. And this morning has not been like, it's been an exciting morning, right? We had the fire alarm, and y'all have been singing great, and it's, it's lively, and it's hot, and but even mornings when it just feels flat, there's something deeper going on, that this is not just a gathering to get together and to consume some content and to listen to somebody give a message and to hear some music. If, if all this morning is about is let's just, let's just hear a good sermon and listen to some good music, like I'll be honest, <laughs> you can get on YouTube and hear much better preachers than me and you can hear like incredible worship bands and you can hear you can see really slickly produced everything great cameras and lighting and like you can get much better content a lot of other places than you're going to get here but it's not about consuming content you see it's about contributing to one another It's about encouraging one another. It's active. It's about spurring one another on. This, This Sunday morning was never supposed to be just a good concert and a TED talk. There's so much more going on. Why gather? We gather together to be with. There's something about being together. Let me just point this out as we close. There's something unique about being together in person. We talked last week about John 1.14. The word became flesh, right, and dwelt among us or tabernacled among us. The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. Jesus did not have a friend who likes to say the word became flesh. The word did not become a Facebook video. You ever think about this? Like, Why did Jesus come when he came? What if Jesus, if Jesus had just waited 2,000 more years and come today? You know how much more effective and efficient he could have been? He would have started a YouTube channel. He would have gone viral in a matter of weeks. Billions of people would be watching Jesus live all at once. Why did he choose to come 2,000 years ago? It's, it's incredibly inefficient when you think about it. Why did he choose to start his church with 12 people? Why did he choose to teach in such a way that sent more people away than drew people to him? Maybe our goal is not efficiency. Maybe our goal is not effectiveness. Maybe there's not actually a a numbers metric that can measure success, and success is probably not even the right word. Maybe our goal is love and community and relationship and family. And do any of you have an efficient family? (laughs) I don't. I would venture to guess, like, the only efficient family I can imagine is a lame family. (laughs) Family is not supposed to be efficient and quick and about production and content and appearances. It's about being with one another. So let us gather together And not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Philip Yancey, a great writer, put uh, put it this way. This, now close with this. He says, Church, the church, offers a place where infants and grandparents, unemployed and executives, immigrants and blue bloods can all assemble together. Where else can we find that unique mixture? only the church.